Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business. This episode is on when is it safe to go back to business. My name is Steve Waite. I'll be your host today. For those of you who don't know the Business Centre, we're a not-for-profit organisation with a 35-year history of helping small businesses. Today we'd like to review this from a perspective of the small business owner and what do we have uh, to do that. We've got two very special guests, Kerry Walker from SafetyWorks and Craig Dalton, uh, a public health physician uh, who I'd like to introduce both of you to now. We're getting through a period, I guess, of profound change and disruption in business and getting back to business is the focus of today. How do we do that safely? How do we do it sensibly? And how do we cut through what is very complex in some ways from a health perspective and a legislation perspective, but we're hoping with our guests today to get some practical insights. So joining us first via Zoom is Craig Dalton, Conjoint Professor, University of Newcastle School of Medicine and Public Health and Senior Physician, Public Health, Hunter New England Health, New South Wales. Craig is trained as an Epidemic Intelligence Service Officer with the Centre for Disease Control in the US and runs the uh, flu tracking program uh, across the state and across the nation. Craig also publishes many articles which are very informing, one of which I think I would highly recommend in regards to public health, uh, how not to piss off the community, which seems to be a, a very popular way of, I guess, looking at this with some of the frustrations. Our second guest uh, expert today is Kerry Walker, founder and director of SafetyWorks. Kerry is an experienced safety professional and business consultant with strong leadership and strategic organisational culture and communication skills. Kerry is co-founder and director of SafetyWorks Group, one of Australia's leading providers of holistic safety wellbeing, culture change solutions. Kerry's experience lies in translating an organisation's health and safety and wellbeing, values and goals into a business-aligned strategy. Her industry experience in engineering design and operations management for global resources companies gives her the capacity to analyse issues with a pragmatic approach to developing solutions. In over 20 years of consulting, Kerry has applied this effect across all levels of wide range of leading organisations. Her aim is the culture of care becomes an enabler of business success. To achieve this, she is constantly seeking to make safety processes engaging and a way that people can participate in them, thereby enhancing their effectiveness, safety and wellbeing outcomes. So we'll have live questions today as usual, which will come through. And Craig and Kerry are both very um, committed to giving us uh, answers and, and responding in the best way possible to those questions as they come through. Uh, should we have some questions that we can't cover today, we'll record those and we'll speak to Kerry and Craig separately and get to them then. But I'd like to set the scene. A small business is a workplace. It's a microcosm of society. It's a diversity of factors and settings and, and physical location. But small business owners spend many hours in their business trying to keep their business alive and successful. And they work with customers, they work with their staff, they work with families back home. And so it's a very complex environment. This is a unique occurrence and it's been a big threat to human health and to business. And I guess as this pandemic moves towards whatever the new normal might be, it's going to be increasingly important that we understand and, and Craig greatly informed us of this, that we're probably going to be having to face this for quite some time. So the changes and the adaptions that we make for our customers, for our staff, are those that we may have to live with going forward. So it's important that we understand those risks. First question we always ask though, and I'll ask it of Craig first is, how are you dealing with this in regard to the impact on, on you as a professional, 
uh, on in the business in which you work in or the organisation you work in and, and just on your, your own ordinary life. What's it like, Craig? It's been very interesting, Steve. It's, uh, of course, we did the 2009 pandemic uh, and that was interesting and busy, uh, but it kind of, we fell over after about five or six weeks of uh, response and then we just had to stop because it spread so far. This disease has been quite different because we can actually contain it. It's done quite well, but um, I don't think anyone working in public health had any time off for about the first eight weeks. Even before, you know, got here, lots of lots of uh, preparation, and then um, come mid to late April, there was this kind of impending sense of doom as we saw the cases rising exponentially, including the unknown source cases. So that was really scary. And um, we really weren't ready to face it, I think, as a nation at that stage. So we're very lucky. And it was particularly the border controls, I think, that stopped the force of infection of the cases coming in. And then the social distancing, physical distancing, which really put a lid on it. And now we're in this lucky position where we've had a lot of time to prepare and exercise the response. And everyone's feeling a lot more um, I guess a lot more confident and there's not this sense of impending doom that we had in late March. What was it like, if you don't mind me asking, you know, inside the health system in, with your colleagues and what, and what you witnessed and what you saw? What, what, what was that like as a workplace? A lot of people were very scared about what was coming down, particularly looking in uh, what was happening in Italy. There probably was a concern that we weren't closing down fast enough, but it's always hard to know what is fast enough. And in some ways, if we, I mean, I think the studies show now that if we shut down a week later, that, you know, we might have a much, much bigger pandemic because it was exponential. We might still be trying to close it down now. But, of course, the community were asking for things to be closed down, so maybe that was a good compromise to wait till people really saw the threat and wanted things closed down. I think a lot of clinical folks in the front line were fairly fear fearful about what they were going to face, but at the same time, there's this absolute feeling of, of solidarity and people recognising that you know, a lot of things that couldn't have been done in the past were very rapidly done, a lot of, a lot of walls broke down and prepared quite rapidly, so it's great to see. Oh, thank, thank you, Craig. I'm going to call on Kerry to give us an insight for you. What was it like for you and Safety Works and, and for your daily work and your life? Yeah, well, I guess for everybody, it was, uh, it was a bit of a, bit of a, a shock. Um, as a health and safety business, Safety Works, we were talking about it fairly early on yes. um, and aware of it. Um, and really, it was about two particular aspects to deal with. And one yeah. was caring for our people, first yeah. and foremost. And that, yeah. that's one of our values. That's one of our key values. Yeah. Um, we've got a diverse team, like, like most small businesses. We've got some people with young children. We've got someone on the team who, who is pregnant. We've got people who already work part-time. So it was really about um, trying to be flexible and, you know, work with them. And in mid-March, we had a team discussion yeah. and we talked to people. We were in the fortunate position that we uh, could work from home as a, yeah. as a consulting business, although we do have a lot of interfacing with clients. Yes. Um, and the uptake was complete. Everybody said, yes, we will work from home. Mm. And conversely, Liz and I and mm. the other director and myself mm. uh, have been working from the office, which is plenty of space. Mm. Mm. So most recently, in the last couple of weeks, we've re revisited that through a risk assessment process in the terms of the bringing people back to work, yeah. um, talking with them about how that might look mm. um, in terms of a staged approach. And it's mm. sort of organically working mm. in that way. So a couple of the things that we did during this time, um, which have been really effective, have yep. been to instigate a daily Zoom meeting yeah. between the team. Yep. And, and then also um, our other director, Liz, has uh, commenced a weekly wrap-up 
uh, through an email that goes yeah. out every week, keeping everybody up to date. And we've had great feedback from the was team. Was that different to what you were doing before? So, it, it, yes, it was, because yeah. we saw each other a yeah. lot and we had a regular team meeting every six weeks or so. We, we were pretty much in the loop uh, with what everyone else was doing. Yeah. But not being together in the physical space, not coming yeah. into the office, just made a huge difference. But just yeah. doing those couple of things really has kept people engaged, connected and helped with their mental health as well, yes. being in that isolation space. Okay. Mm. Do you have a business idea, but you're not sure it'll work? We have small business toolboxes and expert business advisors to support and guide you through your startup process. Contact us via our website to find out how. Businesscentre.com.au I'd like to move on to our next question, which is one that focus around practical steps and advice that, that we, could, we could perhaps share from each of your perspectives. Uh, Craig, you from a public health perspective and Kerry, you from, uh, from a practical perspective in regard to managing risk uh, in, in a workplace. So, um, and, and resources that you may know or that are available. Craig, um, you would have had to have navigated through um, a, a whole range of, I guess, complex information, which many of our uh, people that we work with would not necessarily have an access to to uh, you know, be able to refine and, and understand in the same way. But when we were speaking to you yesterday as we prepared for our conversation today, there were some really key insights about you know, the, the behaviour of this virus and, and some of the measures that, that practically came to mind and which are still in mind in regard to low impact uh, interventions that people could do in small business. Yeah, so I think you know, we're very rapidly learning uh, about this virus. It's all really new. Um, we are learning so much so quickly and in fact like national guidelines have been revised about more 33 times I think it is from January so uh, you know every couple of days during the peak we had new guidelines and new understandings there's about three or four hundred uh, academic papers who come out for 24 hours mm -hmm. so it's like a fire hose kind of groups are kind of looking through trying to gauge the new information that's coming through but it still comes down to a few basic things at the moment. Yes. Um, in our office, uh, for example, and in other settings, other office settings that we're, we're investigating for getting case, what we're finding is that you can actually run an office fairly normally. You know, typical workplace office is easy. You can actually go for weeks without anyone being what we call close contact. I mean, no one within 15 minutes of, you know, one and a half metre face-to-face interaction. Yes. It's actually fairly easy. Yes. Sometimes you need prompts like putting a number allowed in each room, the four square metre room. Yes. We have all our signs to you in every room. Um, and in areas where people congregate, we have little yellow uh, crosses on the floor which kind of indicate if you're coming in this area, don't stand you know, within these crosses. Little sort of psychological prompts like that. We've gone to many investigations where there's been a workplace and uh, someone's been encased. Mm. If you review their last 14 days, they really haven't been within one and a half minutes of anyone, and when they've held meetings, it's been via Zoom or one of the person in the big room. Mm. That's great. That means we've got no contacts to follow up, so that's doable. So the baseline physical distancing and enhanced hygiene we've got looks like it'll continue to work. Kerry, to you, um, when we were talking about this, uh, from your perspective and, and the methodology that you would apply and advise people around risk assessment and risk mitigation, 
it's really no different for this particular risk, is it? That, that's exactly right. Um, this is classified as, as a health, work health and safety risk. Yeah. So if you are already practising risk management, which is a core foundation of the legislation, yeah. as well as consult, consulting with your workforce, yeah. uh, then taking that next step to applying those, that same process to mm. managing this, mm. um, using the hierarchy of control. Yeah. These controls that Craig's talked about, yeah. um, working from home is a separation control. Mm -hmm. um, the dis physical distancing is an isolation control. Mm -hmm. They're very strong and very effective, yeah. um, known to be anyway, yeah. in the workplace. And yeah. then moving down into more administrative yeah. in terms of uh, perhaps having different shift arrangements, yeah. um, uh, different procedures around where people stand, how many mm. people can be in a room together, yeah. right through to personal protective equipment such as hygiene. Mm. So all of the, that same process is, can be quite consistent. So mm. it's not like you have to deal with it in any mm. special, different, no. scary way. Yeah. Um, so if you're already practising that, then it's, yeah. it's a, it should be a seamless almost yeah, and, and transition. Your, some of your insights that you shared with some of the clients you've worked with, uh, working with your staff, Yes. to involve them in yeah. the adoption of the measures that you're going to put in place? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, it, them being comfortable yeah. with um, how much and how often, how many is, is really a, a critical factor. So mm. at each case, and we haven't had to do this a lot mm. because of, we've had that daily communication. Yes. We've kept up to date with how things are working. Yeah. I guess one of, perhaps one issue is the fact that we have, in some cases we have started to go back to other clients to clients' workplaces yes. and we've had visitors to the office. Yes. Now they may have different standards and yes. different procedures and different processes. Yeah. So that's where it becomes important to understand what their requirements are yeah. and how that, man how that balances with ours, yeah. supporting our people yeah. to, to function in yes. someone else's workplace yeah. and to support them in that way. And, and many small businesses won't necessarily have complex policies or procedures or wouldn't have documented something, but I that's noticed right. you shared with us, the New South Wales government has put up that's a strategy. Right. Do you want to explain that to us? How that works? Yeah. Look, there's a, there's some there's some resources. Um, we would, you know, as Craig said, there's 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 a yes. plethora of information, and yeah. and sometimes you feel like it, it's a wave. But um, two key areas would be um, Safe Work Australia, mm -hmm. which is a national advisory body, and yes. it is charged with overseeing the ten COVID nineteen principles from yes. the national cabinet. Yeah. And they've got a range of resources. So um, that includes a checklist which looks at six key areas mm -hmm. um, and how to manage those. Um, yeah. And it also, uh, I guess, has some specific areas for particular industries. Yes. So if you're in a particular business yes. or industry. Yes. So that's really helpful, yeah. very easy to find, very easy to navigate. Yeah. And then within New South Wales, the New South Wales government also has a COVID-specific website. Mm -hmm. And it's similarly, and it has now introduced a process whereby small businesses can actually, I guess, self-declare them as COVID safe. Mm -hmm. So they can do a self-assessment checklist as well. Yeah. And once they register that safety plan yes. on that website, mm -hmm. they receive um, like a digital logo, if you like, that mm -hmm. says they've done that. Mm -hmm. And that just gives, and that can be publicly used, a series of posters. Yes. So they can very visibly demonstrate to people that they have been thinking about yeah. the issues and taking actions around the issues. Yeah. And all of that is overlaid with what we would suggest is do that with your people. You don't have to solve this on your own. Yeah. Everybody in the team is exposed to their partners and families who are dealing with it. So yeah. there's a lot of information that, to put into the That mix. would be a good, simple strategy, almost an affirmation that probably most people are doing the right thing. It's just that they haven't set it out 
as you say, right. when transactions increase, when more people come to your site or you go out more, you just need to have a way of talking about this is how we are handling yes. this thing and we've documented it yes. in a particular way. If you have a business problem or question, get in touch with us. We can get our team of advisors and experts to help you with your business problems in an upcoming show. Okay, I'd like to move on to the next question. And, and uh, this is t- probably more to do with the future. And Craig, this may be a good opportunity for us for you to share with us um, some of the insights that we spoke about yesterday about that maybe business models that currently operate may not be able to operate in some industries. And that particular environmental or contextual aspects in regard to, you know, inside concentration of people, etc. Do you want to share some of that thinking with us? We've learned a fair bit over the last few months and we're seeing things evolve. Now, given no idea where we are, probably less than one or two percent of people maximum in Australia have antibodies to uh, or and expected immunity to COVID nineteen. So that means we're very early on. Yeah. Still run a long way. Mm-hmm. They say fifty six percent need to be immune before it really slows down. Maybe less than that because of uneven mixing. Then if all the folks who mix the most uh, got fairly immune, that would start to buffer the transmission through the community. We're getting a fair, a fairly good reduction just from the basic hygiene and uh, distance we've talked about that will continue. So we'll probably get this blunted response. We're likely to get an exponential increase. It'll mm. probably be a, a gradual increase. Yep. Um, but we will. But what they're seeing in places with a similar low levels of transmission baseline and reasonable contact tracing. Uh, social distancing and hygiene in places like Hong Kong and South Korea, we're seeing a pattern emerge. And that pattern uh, is something which you all, everyone knows reproduction number, but you're going to start reading more and more about over dispersion. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is about the heterogeneity, how uneven the transmission is mm-hmm. from people. And basically, what that means is that most people don't infect anyone, but some people infect a lot of people. This is where we hear of these super spreading events. Yes. With this virus, that most people don't infect, they don't pass it on, but a small proportion, they're saying it's about 80 20 thing, maybe more, that maybe 10% of people could be responsible for 80% of the onward transmission of the disease mm. if you have some good baseline social distancing and hygiene. Mm. So, what that means is that you don't get a lot of transmission in your average office workplace, that's fairly safe but you do get increased risk in special settings. And those settings are settings where that are typically indoor, where there's crowding, where there's poor ventilation. And then uh, if there's really close face-to-face uh, uh, intimate contact and um, things like singing, yelling, mm. exercise increases mm. the uh, risk. Mm. So, and it's, it's a very much big increase in risk. So just talking loudly or singing can increase your infectiousness by tenfold. My God. Mm. Yeah, exercising can increase the amount of virus you put out by two to fourfold. The sort of things we're particularly worried about, of course, are nightclubs. Yeah. A lot of people go there to meet other people, so there's increased mixing. Yeah. Music's loud, so you get close to people on talk, you dance with them. Yeah. And you know, that could be 70 to 100 times the risk of just sitting in a restaurant. Mm. Yeah. Gymnasiums are going to be another challenging area. There's been outbreaks in gyms and nightclubs. Uh-huh. And it seems to be that you uh, basically, when you're exercising, there's just so much more air moving through yep. your lungs, so there's more virus coming out, out, out. Yep. and the velocity of your breathing means that the virus can spread further. So there's been some outbreaks occurring in gyms. Yes. Like, um, it's going to be challenging, and 
the simple idea of four square metres, one and a half metre distance probably doesn't work in those settings. So it's going to be quite challenging. Um, it's going to mean bigger distancing, uh, much uh, decreased number of people, um, and probably trying to modify the air conditioning or at least ventilation to increase the number of air changes per hour. So that, that does obviously have implications for particular industries and particular settings. Um, with regard to outdoor dining or outdoor events, as opposed to those types of events indoors, do you see any uh, subtleties between that of risk or, or management of risk? Yeah, I think it's a huge difference. You know, there's so few instances where there seems to be transmission outside. And the thing about being outside is the um, is that you think that we all have a plume of particles around us and we even the slightest breeze, a really slight breeze that would be barely noticeable. Mm -hmm. um, it's a so you know, in this room I'm in now, yep. there's probably very little air movement. Yes. But uh, as soon as I throw the window open, which I would have wasn't so noisy outside, yes. then you know, you're getting this kind of, you just imagine the breeze moving like this, so the virus is moving away. Yeah. So really light breezes uh, have a big impact outside, and of course if you can protect the breeze, it's having a massive impact yeah. on the first Create your own Big Bang and see your business idea come to life. Our online course, Start Your Own Business, helps you learn the basics in marketing, compliance, modelling and small business finances. As a bonus for our podcast listeners, you can use the code BIGBANG to access the Start Your Own Business course online for free at businesscentre.com.au. We might, you've got some really interesting insights as well about people movement and gatherings of people, but I want to just turn to Kerry and just... If I can, Kerry, I'm just going to move along to talking about, uh, you know, how you've applied your knowledge and skills and expertise for helping people mitigate risk. Taking that a bit further from you know, some of the documentation we spoke about earlier, what types of things would you suggest people can do to manage activity based uh, in, in their workplace? So if you, if you could just draw some of your, your insights there. You know, some of the settings we're talking about, what type of measures can they do to communicate beyond this is what we do uh, to this is what we do about this particular activity in our particular workplace setting? Well, focusing spe very specifically on that particular activity, yeah. um, we did um, a risk assessment for a client around it, which was a warehouse-based yes. risk assessment, yeah. and we broke it down into a process flow. So... Yeah. From the beginning of the process uh, where the product was uh, delivered, then packaged, then moved along a process line, if you like, in, yeah. in, into five key steps. Yeah. And we did a risk assessment at each step of the way. Yeah. And we broke it down and we were able to focus in on what were the key mm. points yeah. where there was um, where the risk manifested yeah. most strongly. So, so for some businesses, it's worthwhile for them to get back into a trading position to be able to look at where most of their transaction risk lies in yes. regard to, to this particular risk and to set out a way of addressing it to, to one, protect their staff, protect their business and their business continuity and, and also to protect customers. Yes, yes, yeah. that's, that's right. Yeah. So, so some of these checklists um, that are available specifically, partic particularly the New South Wales government one, mm. specifically addresses issues around protecting staff and customers. Yeah. So... Um, uh, that that interface there mm. is um, is manageable, yep. just like it's manageable yep. um, 
at a workplace normally. Yeah, and I notice in restaurants, Craig, I'm not sure if you've seen this as well already, um, that they're, they're and, and I saw police in, in the community that I was in last weekend actually making sure that they were accounting and identifying people who mm. were dining and keeping a record of that. I presume that's come through a process um, from, from health about um, you know, controlling movement of people and identifying people. Would that be right, Craig? Yeah, I mean, Service New South Wales has all the guidelines and plans that sort of mentioning how uh, that people can look at there and do their own plan and make sure they're in compliance with what they need to do. But I think the oversight is going to become increasingly uh, more obvious over the next couple of weeks. Okay. Craig, I just want to switch back to you for another question flowing on from what you spoke about last. You, you mentioned to us um, when we were talking before the webcast today, some really interesting, intriguing research pieces around gathering of people in certain places and, you know, some of the X's we're seeing on the floor. Do you want to share with us some of those um, insights? Oh, just the, locally here, we have X's on the floor where one of the things that you can do in a, in a workplace is look to see where people gather. Mm. We just move the sometimes, you just have to observe and see what happens. And mm. So we had someone here who noticed where people were gathering. Mm. And they would basically have been all marks on the floor to reinforce that if you're going to gather in this area, here's how much distance you need between each other. And really made a big impact. Um, interesting, little nudge, uh, how effective this little yellow uh, crosses were on the floor. So that, that's quite useful, I think. And we've seen it everywhere else, these green dots and everything that are occurring uh, in, in uh, commercial settings to remind people to work quite well. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I was talking about. And that's not a difficult exercise, particularly for some of our hospitality events-based businesses, to, to do a little bit of that risk assessment. And it's not a, a complex exercise to say, well, where are the, 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 the concentration points? Where are the points at which people line up, etc.? And to address that. And I think some of the larger corporate retailers have done that quite well. Um, and it's not that difficult for a small business to do the same and give that assurance of, of, uh, of safety about the site. Yeah, I think um, it's important when you set a new um, policy up or procedure to be careful it doesn't induce crowding, you know, so sometimes if there's screening at a front door or something mm. like that, there's been uh, instances where if it's done rainy days, everyone crowds together and it'd be part of why they wait to get screened. Yeah. So thinking through that, and as Kerry said, using staggering of timing, just focusing that we're thinking about, well, let's spread something over two hours that would normally be a half hour. Yes. Now, that's a really good insight about weather, its impact on it, and, and concentration of an event. If you spread time, you can reduce risk. These are real practical strategies that we thank you for bringing to the table. I'd, I'd like to, if I could, just move us forward to thinking about some of the key strategies that you could perhaps mm -hmm. suggest. And I'm going to turn to Kerry first, if that's all right, Craig, and then come back to you. But Kerry, are there any strategies, just from your professional experience, that you could share uh, with our uh, our audience in regard to, um, you know, what, what can you do? What can you find to help you? What would you suggest? Yeah. Well, I think, firstly, um, using the resources available. You, you don't have to reinvent this yourself. Yeah. Um, there are many people who've been working to do this. As Craig said, 33 different versions of policies yes. um, in the last three months is is. is very rapid, but yeah. they have they have gelled into some very useful yes. tools and checklists, yes. and they also um, are able to demonstrate that you've done that. Yeah. So don't try to tackle it yourself. Use yeah. the resources available. Yeah. Um, 
approach it like another workplace yeah. risk. I know that's really difficult to yeah. say given yeah. the emotion around um, around the issue and, and the disruption that it, that it has caused, but yeah. I think um, applying a process that is tried and proven mm -hmm. in, in managing any other risk, whether it be asbestos or work at heights or yeah. excavation, um, this is really just approaching that in a similar way. Yeah. Identify, assess and control. Yeah. Um, consulting with mm -hmm. your people mm -hmm. um, is really important. Yeah. Consulting with people who are already doing things, consulting yeah. with your customers, um, if you're interfacing with them, um, and but mostly your own team yep. as a small business, yep. and then asking for help. You yes. know, if you're not sure, yes. then asking for help. Yep. And um, that that's available, uh, as I said, through Safe Work Australia, through um, yep. Safe Work New South Wales, or, or we've, we've helped a number of our clients as well. Yep. Okay. So, yeah. We've got one question come through that I just want to get to. I've got a few there, but I just want to get to this one uh, before I let you go, Craig. Uh, so John from Adamstown has asked, so can I safely encourage my customers to come back to my cafe if we are following the guidelines? People still seem hesitant to come out. Craig, you got any thoughts? Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, absolutely it's fine to encourage people. I think, you know, the average cafe is fairly um, low risk. Um, Interesting thing, which uh, maybe I'm getting old and bothers me in cafes and restaurants, is, is the really noisy ones. So I reckon that'd be interesting. That, that's one of the things I think it's interesting to try and intervene in cafes and restaurants is how to keep them quieter so people aren't yelling. Ah, yeah. because of the risk, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, it's an interesting issue, which, you know, we tend to think of the cafes and restaurants as fairly low risk. Yes. There's no exercise. There's usually no yelling, like you get in a nightclub. Yeah. But you know, I think... There's a four square metre rule and there's a 1.5 metre distancing. Yes. 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 Possibly unfortunate, but even if you can set up your table so the heads of people that are there are about one metre apart, that would make a big difference in terms of risk. And of course, if you're able to have flow through ventilation, um, that's, that makes a huge difference. Close and stuffy, and I think in winter that's going to be a challenge. Probably means heating bills are going to go through the roof. I notice in, in some of the reading that you provided to us that there'll be this sort of dual effect, I guess, of people better handling hygiene and distancing on the traditional flu season. It may we may get a, a you know a, a benefit perhaps. For, is that possible? Do you think? Definitely happening. Um, this time of year, we normally have about 1.2% of people with cough and fever. Mm -hmm. uh, food tracking analysis, but it's dropped down to about 0.2%. Okay, just before we close, could, can you give us any you know, tips? And you've given us quite a few along the way about you know, yelling and distancing in a really practical sense. But have you got any other tips that you would, you would leave with us? Look, I think um, it's, it's all about just you know, think about you know, when are people getting face to face to face and trying to minimise that happening and then the duration of it that has to happen. And then there's a nice safe work, physical distancing um, um, at the National Safe Work website, which just steps you through. In those settings, think about using masks and facials because together they can really, really reduce the uh, risk and also you know, can be done in a well-ventilated area. Okay, and I have to ask the question, I know the jury's out in regard to um, empirical research, but what is the story about masks? So Australia's bit of a standout, and I think perhaps uh, in, in terms of uh, world view on this, uh, I think there's a concern that use of masks may backfire in terms of false reassurance, but there's not much good data on that. In fact, there's emerging data suggesting if you have a mask on, you actually distance more. 
I think if you look at the literature, most of it is saying it's very pro-mask. Okay, we've got one more question. It's something that you also spoke with us about before today, Craig. Uh, you know, how long is this going to be with us and these, you know, this social distancing? How long will this whole thing be with us? And I think you had, for me, a very sobering you know, sense of, of where we might be at with this. Yeah, well, if you say that we need the 50% herd immunity to really stop it, suppress it a lot, not completely stop it, but still be transmission there, then at 3% a month of, you know, conversion of people getting immunity, that would take, uh, you know, probably 18 months. It would take a fair while mm. to get there. That's a long time. You, you might say we won't get... If we had 3% transmission a month, that, that's, that's the sort of transmission you get in a community when there's a lot of disease. You might see 10 to 12 months that there would be some blunting of effect just from herd immunity. So I think it's probably, I, I suspect we're going to have to maintain physical distancing. Probably next winter we'll still be facing physical distancing. Kerry, is that your experience? Is that what you're giving advice to your clients in regard to how they respond yes, to this? Yes, and I think, um, I don't know what Craig would say, but certainly people are saying it, it will, won't be until there's a vaccination that we can really have yeah. a better idea of the timing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that, yeah, that the jury's out on that. Yeah. Um, could I just address John's question as Please, well from indeed. before? Yes. Um, yep. I think the, the government's COVID safe rating mm -hmm. system, well, not rating system, but mm -hmm. the COVID safe status mm -hmm. that you're able to achieve now, yep. If he is able to put that up on his cafe window, mm -hmm. much like the five-star rating on hygiene and yes, food safety, yep. um, when you walk walk into a place and you see that star rating, um, yep. it does give you a sense of yep. sense of security around around that process. Yep. And I think that potentially this is why the government has introduced it: is that having that that poster up on yes. your wall is an encouragement to people to say, yeah. right, okay, these guys have been uh, assessing their risk. Do you have a part-time business that you'd like to take full-time and beyond? Our experienced business advisors can support you in growing your area and making that big bang in business. Contact us at businesscentre.com.au. I've got one more question, and this is a very interesting one. Uh, I run a costume shop. When can I safely allow people to try on clothes? Any thoughts on that, Craig? And then Kerry, you? The virus probably doesn't live very long on um, fabrics compared to, it lives longer on, uh, you know, hard surfaces like stainless steel, plastic, that sort of thing. So on, on cloth, it tends to dry out more rapidly. So, you know, you could potentially do something where you have a, a daily turnaround, so something that uh, is tried on one day, can't be tried on to the next day or something like that. Process-wise, what would you advise? Yeah, I, I think the controls around uh, controlling entry mm -hmm. and numbers of mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. um, they're often very tightly packed, mm. play, um, those mm. kinds of stores, um, and also the, the hygiene practices. Mm -hmm. I think if, if we get to a baseline where we say there shouldn't be any mm -hmm. um, disease in the particular environment because of the passage of time, mm -hmm. then things can then be put in place to, mm -hmm. again, isolate, to use mm -hmm. uh, distancing to, uh, to manage the uh, entry, and ent entry and exit and then to manage the hygiene. Yep, so yeah. standard practice, managing risk, Yes. Uh, identifying it first, managing it and then communicating to people that are interacting with it in yes. the workplace or in your business. Yeah, and I think the more it becomes yeah. part of normally what people see when they yeah. enter a yeah. cafe or a pub, which we're all seeing now, yeah. this, this will not be a huge step change. It won't be like these stores no. are doing it and no one else is. Yes. It'll be, it's a natural expectation yeah. now. Yeah, that the customer sentiment happening. changes. Yeah. Exactly. Indeed. Mm. Uh, we're about to get 
to the close, I'd just like to give each of you an opportunity if there's anything that you haven't added that you particularly would like to, to share with us. And uh, Craig, is there anything further that you'd like to share with us that you haven't had a chance to cover? Yeah, I think it's just on the vaccine, that's really hard to know what's going to happen there. And it, it may be that we actually reach a level of immunity before the vaccine gets to broad use in Australia because it'll go to many, probably many other countries first. And when it comes here, it'll probably go to healthcare workers and then people with underlying immune conditions and the general population. So you'd be having to say that uh, August 2021 might be when you'd start expecting to see initial vaccinations. It might be till the end of the year or 2022 before more general. There may be you know, a pushback as we've seen previously. Yes, so I guess as you um, shared with us prior to this, this will be with us for some time. Use the low impact measures that are effective and continue to practice good hygiene and, and health and safety. Kerry, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, look, um, I think a lot of the basic rules have, have been established now. Mm -hmm. um, we, a couple of weeks ago, we hosted a forum of, of senior leaders that we do regularly and, mm -hmm. and they exchanged ideas on what they're doing and, and a few tips came out of that, some great pearls of wisdom, which mm -hmm. would be good to share. Mm -hmm. I think um, one of those is, is asking people, do a survey. If you haven't got direct contact, and mm -hmm. often we don't when people are working at home, doing a survey of people and how they're feeling yes. because everyone's experience is different and yes. some things can really pop out of that. Yeah. Um, one of them suggested that held a COVID positive drill. So what happens yeah. if, and the more, yes. the more complacent we get around no one's had it and we haven't had it, yes. it becomes more of a distance. So yes. practicing for yeah. what if someone has wow. yeah. got it, considering what a second wave might mean. Yes. So we, we, we tentatively venture out and then we get a second wave. Yes. How do we manage that? That's looking forward. Yep. Focusing on mental health. Mm. I think we haven't talked a lot about that, no. but mental health yes. of people is a huge issue, particularly business owners themselves. Indeed. As you said in the opening, yes. um, not only are we juggling the normal demands, the yes. business pressures yes. of perhaps reduced workload and reduced income yes. and managing JobKeeper and all those other taxation yes. issues. Um, so managing mental health and being mm. positive about that. And finally, um, not dropping the ball on other risks. Um, mm. It's very easy to become really COVID-centric. And mm. I know in industries like trucking, for example, where mm. the urgency to get food deliveries and toilet paper deliveries, mm -hmm. some businesses relax their uh, requirements around fatigue management, yes. for example, for truck drivers. So yes. that may be a short-term yes. uh, gap filler, but yes. certainly uh, not not dropping the ball on the other risks mm. of your business, mm. which is tricky in this environment. Indeed, great insights uh, to, that come from that group. That, mm. that's, I'm, I'm yeah. going to use some of those. That's great. Almost like a fire drill, you do a, you do a COVID drill. Yes. Yeah, as, as if something yeah. more As if someone has um, turned up and said, matters. I yeah. have it or has, yeah. has uh, come forward or you've mm. identified it. It's a mm. great idea. Okay, it's time for me to wrap up that. First, I'd like to thank Craig Dalton and Kerry Walker. Thank you so much for the donation and, and, and the, the generosity of your time. We really appreciate that you prepared for this but also shared your time and, and that's greatly appreciated. We'd also like to uh, say to us if you'd like to reach out to Kerry or, or to uh, Craig uh, then please come through us and we can forward on any questions um, if we're able to do so. Please like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram or Twitter or Google the Business Centre. If you'd like to talk to a business advisor here uh, at the Business Centre as I said or anywhere around New South Wales, Business Connect is the program that can help you. Thank you for joining me, thank you for joining us, thank you everyone. Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast today, please review and rate us through iTunes and follow and share on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn at The Business Centre.